This is Clothes Making Mavens, a sewing podcast about handmade fashion. Hi, welcome to Clothes Making Mavens. I'm Lori from frivolousatlast.com. And I'm Helena from grayallday.com. Today, we're joined by the women behind the pattern company Muna and Broad, who make sewing patterns whose sizes begin where many other pattern companies stop their sizes. Leela's the pattern maker. She's originally from Australia and now lives in London, Ontario, Canada. You might know her on Instagram as Leela underscore sews. Hi, Leela. Hi. Hi. And Jess joins us from Christchurch, New Zealand. She's the chief website builder for Muna and Broad. And according to her bio on that website, she, quote, puts the broad in Muna and Broad. Hi, Jess. Hello. <laughs> So great to have both of you here. So we want to hear all about your pattern company. So Leela, can you tell us about Muna and Broad? Yeah. Well, um, firstly, I'd like to really uh, thank you guys for having us on your podcast. It's very exciting. Um, Yeah, we love to talk about our pattern company. We're excited about uh, some of the things that have been happening. So we started our little company uh, because both of us, I think, were having frustrations being able to buy sewing patterns um, that fitted our bodies. Uh, So about a year ago, um, and actually I wasn't really on Instagram then, but about a year ago um, there was a bit of controversy about um, sizing in the pattern world. And so some companies have extended their sizing range to a little bit bigger, but it doesn't actually include everybody. And um, so we really, um, you know, met online and just started talking about starting a patent company where, um, as Laurie said, you know, our sizing would pretty much start where other patent companies tended to taper off their sizes, even the extended size ranges. So um, we start at about a 46 and a half inch hip and um, our standard range goes up to a 71.5 inch hip, but we'll also custom grade up beyond that if somebody falls um if somebody is larger than our size range that we publish uh, we'll happily um grade up to their size for them that is so cool wow yeah um and just to translate that for metric users so it's about 118 centimeters to 181 centimeter hip <laughs> jess is giggling from new zealand yeah Great that you know that because i work in inches even though i live in a metric system country so and so is that because, why do you work in inches? Like, do you mean when you sew or in general? Um, only when I sew, I do all my measurements in inches. I think in inches for that. But then when I buy fabric and think about fabric length, I work in meters. I don't know. Right. I think maybe it's because the inches are smaller, so it's easier to remember the size, perhaps. Fair enough. Very unusual. Yeah. I just find it so irritating trying to add together like one sixty-fourth of an inch with one eighth and three eighths. And yeah, ugh. Just... Yeah, I'm totally stuck in the middle as well. So... Actually, I, I think the same as Jess. I think I um, think about body measurements in inches, but then um, and then fabric in centimeters. And then when it comes to things like seam allowances, some seam allowances I think about in inches, and some I think in centimeters, which is very confusing. Yeah. So I think of a half inch seam allowance <laughs> as a half inch seam allowance, which is about one point three centimeters, and then I think of a one centimeter seam allowance, which is three eighths of an inch. But I think about that as a one centimeter. Which is distinctly different (laughs) from the half. Yeah. Funny. 
So, Leela, you mentioned that you will do custom grading, and I just wanted to talk about that for a second because, I mean, grading is no small task, right? So it's not just a matter of take the pattern and, you know, zoom in and blow it up bigger. Like, you have to actually change all of the dimensions and the proportions, right? So it's a big deal, I think, if uh, if you're going to custom grade for customers. So that's a wonderful service you're providing. Oh, thanks. Yeah, we felt it was really important because... I mean, really, the end of our size range was just an arbitrary decision of, you know, well, where do you, you know, what size do you think we should go up to? And it was really just a decision that we made based on, you know, some some measurements that we saw out there. But, you know, we also appreciate there are definitely people who have larger measurements, larger bodies, and uh, we wanted to make sure that they could be accommodated. So I think the reason that we're able to to offer that service is because we do our grading and pattern making in-house. Like I do all the pattern making and I do all the grading myself and we use, we do the grading a little bit differently from um, the industry standards as well. So really when I grade, I'm looking at how bodies change at different um, kind of breakpoints in the sizing. So for example, um, you know, some people put them into different kind of fat bodies. So people will be called say a small fat or like a medium fat or a super fat or an infinity fat body. And really um, I think that bodies, um, there are commonalities within kind of different bands uh, of um, sizes. So mm-hmm. um, when I grade, I look at kind of a group of bodies in that size range. And I, um, I guess I make kind of generalizations about, where where they have um, larger size um, proportionally. So, for example, when you move from a 46-inch hip up to a 50-inch hip, um, you know, where does, where does that size go? Where do those inches go? They don't just go evenly around. They change. And then, you know, when you're looking at somebody with a 71-inch hip, then, um, you know, they might have more at the front than at the back compared to somebody mm-hmm. who's a size, our size three, which is a 59 um, inch hip. So I really try and um, bring that into my grading, which breaks every rule literally in the book. <laughs> so um, so then when I grade up beyond our current published size range, um, it's we don't customize the grazing, grading for the individual person, but we just extend our sizes up. So they get exactly what... Um, somebody within a size range would get, they would get a pattern that's a standardized pattern. I'm not grading it for their exact body, but they get a a pattern that they can start from and have what I would consider, you know, maybe they would have some reasonable adjustments to make um, that everyone would make, like a hem adjustment or a rise adjustment, but they're not making, they're not actually changing the overall size and shape of the garment, hopefully. Right, which is really difficult for a new sewist. I, Jess, I know that you actually haven't been sewing all that long, right? Didn't it, didn't I read that you were started in 2017? So. Yeah, so I'm I'm basically a beginner at this point still as well. Yeah, and so I understand that you jumped at the chance to test the pattern that Leela had put on uh, had put out. Uh, I guess it was the Glebe pants, the Glebe mm-hmm. trousers. So why why did you why were you so excited to get in on that? Um, well, I guess people send me patterns uh, quite often and I really liked testing the patterns and having a go and there were so few things available, you know, certainly last year and when I got into sewing, I 
I got into sewing because I needed clothes. I wanted to make clothes in my size and, and it was really astounding to find actually it's the same problem as with clothes as it is with patterns. And there was just, you know, the number of patterns that were available in my size just was so small. And especially in the style that I wanted, it just really didn't exist. Um, so when Leela got in touch with these um, these pants that I thought were really cool and were really my style and would look great in linen, which is kind of the yardstick that I use for all of my clothes, um, and, you know, I tried them and I'm not far enough along in sewing to be able to kind of, uh, diagnose my own fit issues at that point and to, to certainly not to know how to fix them. But suddenly I just had this moment of like, wow, these pants, they look really good. Like I, I don't have this strange thing happening in my bum. Um, the fit on the front is really good, which I had never had in pants before. Um, and also when you like, oh, sometimes I'd made pants and then I had inevitably burst the back seam because there just wasn't room kind of for a bum in there um, or for my bum perhaps. But, you know, so I'd actually burst quite a few of them at the back. So I was making pants, but I was never wearing them out of the house or to work because they just weren't secure. So yeah. um, making these pants from Leela, I was like, these, these is, this is amazing. Like I've never had pants that have fit this good. Um, yeah, and with each subsequent pant release that Leela's done as well, um, the same great fit has come across. So I don't know. I feel a bit like I don't need to sew pants anymore because I found the perfect pant fit. Oh, that must feel so good. Because I can't imagine what it's like to, um, to you know, when you go clothes shopping or pattern shopping to not find patterns in your side, size. What is that like? Um, well, I, I suppose I've always been interested in clothes. But certainly going shopping for clothes isn't really a thing at, at my size range because, I mean, here in New Zealand, I just couldn't do it. I couldn't go to a mall and find clothes that I like. And even shopping online to try and find clothes in a style that I like, you know, it was not until last year that Elizabeth Susan, who's kind of, you know, slow fashion, that kind of style of clothes, they didn't have an extended size range. So I like their style, but I, I wasn't in their size range. Um, and so even kind of sustainable fashion companies are now extending their size, a bit more minimalist looks. But, you know, it was impossible to buy those clothes online. It was impossible to buy them in person. It's really difficult to buy any clothes in person, even if you don't mind about the style. Um, so it was just a real challenge. Um, and sewing definitely was not the answer to that, you know, last year. Mm. So you basically are saying that you didn't really have a choice, like much of a choice with what you could wear like you couldn't express your style which is kind of I don't know the point of clothes like that's the fun of clothes that that sucks I've definitely said before I if I could buy clothes that I liked in my style I don't know if I would be into sewing right like I like sewing now that I do it but I certainly wouldn't have started it if I was able to purchase clothes in my size in a style and fabrics that I wanted to wear yeah yeah but when you get really into clothes and fashion and you start seeing possibilities like I'm sure I don't think you could go back now right because now it's like when I go even to regular clothes but I want a totally different color or Mm -hmm. I need just a little bit of a different sleeve or I need you know just like and then I feel like well I can do that myself so that's just like not even a possibility for me to just buy clothes (laughs) But, um, but tell us about the range of garments that you, um, the patterns that you have made, like, what do you have available? So, uh, the first pattern we released was the Glee pants. It's a a wide legged pant, quite a high waist, and, um, they're very comfortable wide, wide leg pattern that, you know, we were seeing around a lot in the pattern world, but none in our size and certainly 
no patterns available significantly larger than um, us. Jess and I are a similar size, uh, which which is actually quite helpful for our process. So we have the Glee pants. Those were released first. We first actually released them as a free pattern just in three sizes, um, and they didn't have instructions. So it was just literally like a set of blueprints and a very basic outline of, you know, sew them in this order, so just point form. And then we really quickly came to realise that um, that it wasn't enough for people. It wasn't enough sizes. It wasn't enough. Um, the instructions weren't detailed enough. Um, if someone has never had a pattern for pants that have been in their size, then they've never sewn pants before. And so, you know, it was unreasonable for us to think that we couldn't provide good pattern instructions for the pants. So the Glee pants were first. Um, and then we released the Torrens box top. So it's a boxy top. Um, and the thing is, I think that in um, plus size clothing in general, there has always been, a, I guess, a trend towards what is flattering in inverted commas. And Jess and I both hate the term flattering because mm-hmm. we don't think that your body shape should dictate the clothes that you wear. We think that you should wear clothes that you want to wear. So Wear um, what you want to wear. (laughs) (laughs) It's like that, how to get a bikini body. Put a bikini on your body. (laughs) Exactly, yeah. So um, oversized clothing has often not really been an option for larger bodies because, you know, why would you want your, to put something large on a large body has been the thought behind that. Um, Anyway, Jess and I both like wearing oversized clothes. We like the silhouette. We like the really relaxed feeling of it. And so we released a boxy oversized top um, in our size ranges. Um, then we released underwear. Is that right, Jess? Yeah. So, um, and the underwear was a little bit of an accident. Um, I was making some underwear for myself and I posted about it on Instagram and the response that we had like okay well when's the underwear pattern coming out I've never and people were saying things like they had never found underwear that was comfortable for them um so then we kind of slotted our underwear (laughs) in sneakily into a, a release and so that was great because um some people actually cannot buy underwear in their size at a store oh my gosh I I, I literally don't know what they do so if you're over a certain size you cannot even go into a plus size store and buy underpants. Oh my gosh. It's crazy. Yeah, it's horrifying. Yeah. It's kind of almost, I would call it almost like a human rights issue. Like I think mm-hmm. everyone should have yeah. to have, to have totally. at least undergarments. I mean, yep. let alone the rest of your wardrobe, but certainly yep. undergarments. So um and then oh I can't remember what came next, Jess. Can you jump in? Skull thoughts. Oh skull thoughts. <laughs> yeah. So um those are so and, cute. Yeah, I so love those the design are lines of those. Oh, thank you. Um, so those are a side panel pant. Um, we've seen a lot of side panel pants um, in the pattern world, and uh, they they had a more, have a more tapered silhouette. So they're kind of um, a foil to the glebe. The glebe is a very wide legged, relaxed pant. The Skullthorpe has um, still like a great fit around the hips and the butt, so <laughs> you won't be bursting out of them accidentally um <laughs> but it has a tape more tapered silhouette and it has um a, a pocket in the side panel um that's a kind of v shape so it's got a, um, a corner um a v-shaped pocket on the side 
So there's some interesting uh, names. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, are they mostly coming from your Australian background? Like Skullthorpe, I know, is the name of an Australian composer. Am I right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. And then Glebe is a neighborhood in Sydney. Okay, I'm on a roll here. Torrance. You're on a roll. I think there's a yes. university. That's not fair because what? Lori knows. Lori knows <laughs> Australian <laughs> stuff. Australian stuff. Well, the Torrens, it is a university, but it's also the uh, main river that runs through the city of Adelaide in South Australia. Oh, okay. Yeah, so there are a bunch of indie pattern companies. Well, at least So How Seven comes to mind, where she names all her patterns after uh, roads in Portland, Oregon, where she where she lives. So I love the sort of almost having a geographical tour through the names of, of pattern uh, patterns. Yeah, that's fun. I think it was important to pick a theme. Otherwise, how do you choose? Like, unless you've got something, it could be anything, and that's, like, very open and not, you know, you could go forever trying to decide names. And it's already hard enough as it is. So now I've put together a little um, working word document that we can <laughs> sift through of strange suburbs and bizarre places that you've never heard of in Australia that we'll use hopefully for future. But what problems. about New Zealand? When does New Zealand come into it, Jess? Well, I'm actually Australian. I just live in New Zealand. Oh, so okay. <laughs> yeah. So that's why gotcha. it made a lot of sense for us to choose Australian things. Because that's really our, you know, commonality between us. Um, and so we thought, well, um, actually neither of us live in Australia, but we both have lived there. <laughs> We're both from there. So it made a lot of sense to choose kind of um, an Aussie thing, I suppose. Nice. <laughs> so Jess, what is it like, you know, Leela is in Canada, you're in New Zealand. What is your working relationship like? How do you run this business I'm sure people will be interested to hear some tips about, you know, collaborating, working together remotely. Mm -hmm. um, well, I think Leela said this before, but um, we couldn't have a worse time zone kind of situation between the <laughs> two of us because I get up in the morning and I go to work and then by the time I get home from work, Leela's already in bed and then this kind of cycle happens. And so a lot of our chatting is um, messaging over Instagram Um and then on the weekends, we'll sometimes do a do a video call and chat through some things or, yeah, but lots of Instagram messages. Mm. Yeah, it really is a lot of Instagramming. Um, and sometimes, you know, I'll, um, throughout the day or something, I'll think of a few things I have to ask her. And so when she wakes up, <laughs> she'll get like a barrage <laughs> of messages with all these questions or comments, or maybe I've sent her like an inspiration photo or something like that. And, um, and then I'll wake up the next day and I'll have, you know, 10 replies or 20 replies or something and <laughs> different things, or if we're sewing things and giving updates, you know, it's, it's sometimes funny because, you know, I'll finish sewing something and I really want to show her. So I'll send photos and, you know, of course it'd be great if I got like instant gratification <laughs> or <laughs> not gratification, maybe, <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, an instant response. And then, um, then I have to wait because I know she's asleep. And we're like, oh, she's like a lag up? there. <laughs> yeah, there is. Like in the olden days when you had to send letters, <laughs> you yes. had to wait for yeah. your reply. <laughs> yeah, Elena, I thought it was bad between you and I, and there's only a three-hour difference. But it, sometimes I feel like I'm bombarding Helena first thing in the morning and going, "Get up, wake up, wake I up!" I <laughs> <laughs> and I have a bunch of a bunch of messages from one of my favorite people when I wake up. I love oh. it. I think it's a great way to <laughs> great way to wake up for sure. It is a nice yeah. way to wake up. Yeah. And then yeah. in terms of our um, kind of work cycle, I think we've developed a process over time that works for us. And so, you know, I will do my first uh, pattern. I'll do it by hand, like on paper. And then I have a fantastic blueprinter here in town 
who does all our large-scale printing um, and then also does our large-scale scanning. So then I'll take, um, I'll trace out my pattern and I'll take it to my blue printer where he'll scan it in and then I can send it to Jess. So oh, cool. That's so, really helpful. Yeah, so you don't have to start in an actual computer program to do it. I forget what, what people use, like Illustrator or something like that. That's right. So I um, will pattern make on paper first. Uh-huh. And then um, it's just a lot more nimble because, yes. you know, I might make up a pattern, twirl it, and there might be a bunch of changes I need to make. You know, in fact, almost certainly on a first uh, first pass, there'll be some changes to make. And so I can make those just on paper and then I'll only digitize it once the basic pattern in our um, sample size, which is uh, my size and Jess's size, once that's been kind of set up, that's when it'll go digital and then I'll work on the computer from then on. Yeah. I think that's also a really great way of doing it because it means that Leela does the pattern. She usually tests it and twirls it and she sends me pictures. So when I get it, I'm not only, we've already talked like, oh yeah, like I really like this pattern. I think that's really good. Or, um, I don't know, questions about the sleeve or those kinds of things. And then by the time I get it, I've got all these great pictures to know what it looks like. Um, and then we can kind of go for there. But th- certainly sometimes when Leela drafts something for herself, it doesn't necessarily end up as a broad pattern, but I'm, I think they mostly have so far or they will do soon Hmm. mostly yeah I mean sometimes I make something just for myself um so like late last year I made a pair of pants for myself with a diagonal seam down doesn't have a side straight side seam it has a diagonal seam Mm -hmm. that kind of wraps around the leg a little bit and so that was just for me because I wanted those pants and then I ended up sending them to Jess and we you know, sat on them for a little while and then it's being released really soon. So that kind of just evolved from a, um, you know, something that I'd done for myself and then it just kind of happened. And then there's been some other things that I've made for myself that we thought might become a release. And then, you know, who knows if they will or they won't. So. Mm. By the way, have you two ever met in person? No. No. Never. Strictly <laughs> online relationship. Interesting. Yeah. One of these days, maybe. It yeah. will happen one of these days when we can um, travel again, maybe. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Leela, I've done my research about you and I'm just a little bit blown away. I think we, okay, everyone, we have an overachiever on our hands here, yeah. at least mm-hmm. from what I've read. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> let me see if I've got this straight. So you are a classically trained musician. Yes. You studied fashion production at college. You also have a PhD in biomechanics and you're a professor at a college here in a university college here in Toronto. Um, And if that's not quite enough for everyone, you also have held a weightlifting record. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Okay. I don't know how you found out so much about me. (laughs) Oh, you know, I'm a master Googler. Okay. Um, so if I got all that straight, because that's amazing. <laughs> like, how does all of those things come together to make you who you are today? And how does it all fit into doing Mona and Broad? Yeah. I think the best way to explain it is that um, I can't stick at something for very long. <laughs> so, um, But you seem to excel at everything. So I don't really buy that because it's not like you just dilettante here and there. You've got a PhD and you have a weightlifting record. It's not. (laughs) (laughs) 
She doesn't seem to do things halfway. No, it doesn't seem like it. <laughs> oh my goodness. I'm like really, really blushing. Um, well, I actually, I went to college for fashion when I was really young. So I actually took some time off high school to do it. So I went um, to college during what should have been grade 12 for me. And then, um, and I worked in um, the fashion industry, but mainly actually in wardrobe and costume for film and theater and that kind of thing. And then I did some freelance freelancing as a, as a sewer, just like a gun for hire, basically. So um, if a designer had samples they needed making for uh, like a runway show, you know, I would come in and I would sew like crazy with them to help them out. Um, or I would pick up some part-time work at a bridal studio or something like that, going in and helping them sew gowns, or I'd pick up some work on a film set, um, doing a lot of sewing when they had like a big scene coming up that needed like a whole bunch of ball gowns or something like that. I would jump in and, um, do that kind of thing. So I was kind of, um, even though I studied a lot of pattern making and grading at college, um, we were, we did long days of both of those things. Um, really in my work life, when it came to sewing, it was really, I was really employed more as a sewer, um, than a pattern maker. Um, yeah. And, but then, you know, I was doing really long days. It's, it's a very exhausting, um, industry, especially, um, in costume and wardrobe, long days, long hours, like the standard work days, a 10 hour work day in film. And, you know, it's, it's very, very long. You get really tired. And so I just got a little bit sewed out, to be honest. It's like, it's oftentimes, you know, if you take something that's a hobby and make it into work, sometimes it becomes not as fun anymore. So, That's why I stopped making yeah. patterns. <laughs> I feel that. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I just felt like I just, uh, I basically just gave up sewing and um, I played music a lot um, all through, you know, my childhood. And I had, I'd wanted to be a musician, but I kind of put it on the, on the side burner, not even the back burner, because I kept doing music through um, when I was sewing. And then I ended up going to university for music performance for my undergraduate. And then um, I moved to the States for my master's in music, um, which is how I ended up in North America. Cool. Yeah. And then biomechanics. Yeah. Biomechanics too. Yeah. I want to hear like, all about this. <laughs> does, it, right. does that um, come into the pattern making? Like, it seems like it would be useful. I mean, um, I think I was, it does actually. Uh, so... Um, I worked after I finished my master's, I worked as a classical musician for a lot of years. That was my job full time. And again, I kind of just felt like I just realized I didn't want it to be the career for my, the rest of my life. And so, you know, I thought long and hard about something else to do. And then I just kind of honestly fell into biomechanics almost by accident. I became very interested in musicians injuries. Um, and the mechanisms of injury, injuries. And so I started doing my PhD in biomechanics initially with a focus on musicians, but then I actually moved totally away from musicians because it was a little bit too close to home, I think. Mm. And then um, I started working with just general populations. So, but now when I started pattern making again, you know, a lot of my PhD work and um, work work now is understanding how bodies move, how different bodies move, the kind of quality of people's movement 
and like how well they move. And so I've really looked at a lot of bodies and a lot of bodies moving. And so, you know, perhaps that uh, gives me a little bit more insight when I pattern make in different kinds of bodies. And um, I don't, I don't know if it does, but maybe. (laughs) Well, I, I wanted to ask you about like, how did you learn to pattern make for, or how to grade up that high? Because the um, pattern making books that I have don't even have any information on that. Like there's just nothing about that. And then you, you said that you took a lot of information like from like a range of people and you use that together. So I wonder if that is related to your biomechanics and how you kind of put that all together. Um, that makes it sound very scientific and it really <laughs> wasn't. Um, <laughs> so um, I suppose we could have aggregated the data that's out there and, um, you know, <laughs> made up some grading rules like that, but really it didn't happen like that. Um, because I have training in grading and, and so, and just standard industry grading, grading, um, at college, you know, obviously we were grading from a sample size, like an industry sample size. It's called a 12 in Australia, but it's more like a a two or a four, um, you know, a a small Mm. like runway size model. We were grading from that and, you know, grading a few sizes up and down. It was really more just to learn the principles of grading and what I realized when I wanted to grade larger sizes is you can't do it. You can't follow the same grading rules. So yeah. if you infinitely, if you just apply those rules in the same way all the way up, then you end up with patterns where the neck, neck hole <laughs> is so huge that it falls off people's shoulders because people's shoulders don't grow as they get larger. Mm-hmm. So if someone has a larger body, they might carry some fat on their shoulder, but it, their like anatomy, like their actual skeleton doesn't change in width. So there's a like finite amount that it will expand width wise. Um, and instead like, uh, and same with things like wrists and necks, like they don't change. They don't just keep changing at the same rate once you go above a certain size. Mm-hmm. And then, um, so when you're like increasing hip width, you might be increasing other things differently. So for example, um, fat people aren't necessarily very tall. There's a variety of heights, just like with everybody else. And yet oftentimes when you buy plus size patterns or plus sized clothing, it seems to be made with people with very long arms and legs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, if you're petite, same, you're out of luck, right? Yeah, it's really tough. I think if you're uh, petite in terms of your vertical proportions, um, but you wear a large, larger size in terms of like width, mm-hmm. so that can be really challenging. I think in plus size clothing in general, as well as patterns, we often see a lot of problems with sleeves, arm size, so armholes basically, um, and how those interact together. It's 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 just different. Um, mm-hmm. Bodies are different, but I don't think it's necessarily harder um, to do that grading. It's just that you have to think about it a little bit more and um, apply a critical eye, I think, to what you're doing rather than just applying the blanket rules and um, doing your just standard grading. 
Yeah, that makes sense. Also on the on the scientific and the data front for that, you know, if we had uh, done a survey of SOAS and asked them to give us their sizes, I think we really would have struggled to get much data at the top end of the scale because, you know, we currently make up to a 71.5-inch hip, but if before our patterns, if people at that size range, what patterns were available to them? So a lot of it is, you know, do these SOAS actually exist because there's not much that's catered to them? Like it was difficult enough for Leela and I to find patterns at our size so when you get up into that higher range it's even more so so yes you can get data but you know is the data actually available or are these people not not into sewing or they've tried to hack some patterns but actually they're into quilting or you know they do some other kind of craft because there's been nothing available to them so far yeah that's right so I think to put it into perspective um we gave our we gave our sizes just arbitrary numbers um so Jess and I wear a size one in our size range, um, our largest size that we publish is a size eight, which is our 71.5 inch hip. Um, and there's very, very little out there for people from say a 65 inch hip up very, very little. So I think that sometimes when companies say, you know, there's just no demand people, large people don't. sew. well, it's a bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy. Mm -hmm. If you can't buy patterns, if you can't buy patterns to sew, then you can't sew and you might not be interested in sewing because it, it's unreasonable to expect anybody, let alone a beginning sewer, to grade a pattern up 20 sizes. Exactly. I mean, <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. It's hard enough to, like, to grade one or two sizes outside of a size range if you don't have any training for it. Mm -hmm. And then to grade beyond that is it's just impossible. So, you know, we think that, um, well, you know that there are large bodies out there that need clothes and we know that um, size is not, uh, does not constrain what kinds of clothes you might want to wear. So um, we really hope that we can encourage more large people to take up sewing and um, make the clothes they want to wear. And it seems like your patterns are very beginner friendly as well. Yeah, definitely. I think they were um, kind of intended in that way, but also to show, um, I guess, in, in a sense that it doesn't have to be really fancy stuff and actually the, we just need the basics mm -hmm. right now because there was there's nothing, you know, th there was no pants kind of when, when Leela did the Glebes for the first time. So, uh, you know, and it wasn't until uh, Kashmirette started releasing this latest range of their size range that, that now they go up to a 62-inch hip in some sizes. So, you know, even the kind of the industry standard for the plus-size patterns it was still a small chunk of the plus size range that was being serviced there. And, you know, I think that, um, that we've had success selling a box top when there's lots of box top patterns, um, but a box top with that size range and with large bodies in mind, there's absolutely a market for those patterns, which might be seen as more simple, but actually they just don't exist in that size range. One of the other things that I think that we try and bear in mind when we're specifically designing and pattern making for larger bodies is the proportions. So, for example, if I put the pleat that we have on the on the pleated front glebe pant on a smaller body, it would be overwhelmingly huge. <laughs> and similarly, if I put the size pleat from a straight size pattern onto our pants, it would look like a pin tuck. <laughs> so with a larger body, you might want proportionally larger cuffs or you might want slightly larger buttons or a slightly more bold sized collar that would overwhelm a smaller frame. But, you know, I think that's, that's something really important that we kind of proportion 
the design elements of our patterns as well to larger bodies. Yeah, that's more than just grading. That is is much, much more of a design element that gets overlooked. Mm. Certainly, and also if they're patent companies that aren't even kind of producing the samples for their products on larger sizes. So, you know, you get this new patent that's come out and everyone who's in the patent is at the smaller end of the size range. Then how do you, you know, even if you're provided for in the size range, how do you know what that's actually going to look like on you when the people who are making it, you know, are much closer to straight sizes? than they are to how your body looks. Yep. What sort of reaction do you two get from sewers who've made your clothes? Are you getting feedback from your customers? I suppose we, we've got lots of emails, um, especially initially with the Glebe pants, there was a lot of kind of emails and messages that came in from people saying, I've never had pants that fit like this. Um, and certainly that was my experience. So I was a bit like, well, yeah, 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 they're good. Um, but I think having having a pattern where absolutely your body's been considered and provided for is something that's quite kind of like transformational. It certainly was for me. I feel like I'm a bit like I'm one of the um, receivers of Leela's good kind of skills in this regard. So um, yeah, so getting pants that just fit and and being able to make them and they look good and, you know, without knowing enough about sewing to be able to say, oh yes, yeah, so, you know, I need this kind of adjustment on my pants normally just to make something and it actually just fits your body is is really amazing. And that's, that's definitely shown. And I think our pants patterns have been the most popular thing so far, but certainly there's a lot of Torrens box tops out there in the world. Um, yeah. I mean, lots of, there's lots of options. There's more options all the time, but when you can buy a pattern that doesn't slip backwards on your neck because it's kind of been drafted in a way to take into consideration the shape of your arms and how you have maybe some extra flesh at the back, you know, all of this stuff, it's, it's quite transformational for people. Hmm. Yeah, I think that um, I hadn't really anticipated the emotional impact that um, that some of the patterns have had, especially like Jess said for the Glee pants. When they first came out, you know, we had some really sweet comments and emails from people who kind of said, you know, it was the first time they felt seen that their body was like not even appreciated, but valued and considered. And so and we had some really lovely stories from people who had never been able to make pants ever before in their entire life and suddenly could make them and found that really empowering. So that was, I don't know, I think I, I think I gave it a lot more meaning to us and we hadn't necessarily considered that aspect of it. Yeah, that must be a great feeling for both of you to get that kind of feedback. Yeah, it's certainly lovely to hear kind of lots of good stories and people who aren't plus size themselves but buy the pattern to make clothes for their friends who they know struggle to buy clothes in their size range. That's also like a really lovely kind of outcome from the patterns too. Oh, how nice. Yeah. Yeah. And what we've seen as well is um, so oftentimes in sewing classes, um, they might choose a pattern that is the garment that they'll be making for the sewing class and oftentimes those patterns are small so um, they might choose you know a garment and if you're a beginning sewist and you want to learn how to make clothes but you can't go to that class because you don't fit into that pattern it can be really difficult so I think it's been I think it's been good because now some um, sewing schools are using our patterns as a either like as a separate option so that people can join in the class. So they might doing a, might be doing a wide leg pant, 
and smaller folks might be sewing a different pattern and then um, the larger folks will be sewing our pattern maybe. And so it makes it a little bit more accessible to um, people of all sizes to actually learn how to sew and go to sewing classes even. Yay, more people sewing. Yeah, yay. (laughs) (laughs) Jess, I know that you really, um, on your blog, uh, broadinthescenes.com, you do a lot of reviews and, um, uh, you know, kind of, I guess, keeping track of all of the patterns that are out there that cater to size inclusivity. So can you tell us a little bit about what you've discovered over all this research you've done and which pattern companies you'd recommend or specific patterns that that you think are terrific? Mm -hmm. Sure. Um, So I guess I set up my blog. Uh, Initially, what I was kind of doing with it was gathering together uh, free plus size sewing patterns. Um, and I had made a list and I, when I started, I had an Excel document with 70 patterns in there and I thought, oh, well, I'll share these kind of. 17, one, seven. About seven, zero, seven. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. So still a decent amount. And I thought, well, that's probably the extent of it really. But then the more I kept going, the more people keep sending them to me and the more I was finding. Um, so in the end, I think I have a list up that's 200 plus patterns that are free for plus size, at least up to a 50 inch bust or hip. Um, that sounds really good in theory, but actually most of those patterns are too small for me. Um, Mm. so it was more about, I guess, an intellectual exercise of gathering this stuff. Um, at the time, you know, and certainly in kind of January last year, the number of patterns that were provided up, you know, around that size range in a style that I liked was, was really small. So I think, um, Kashmir has extended their sizes and other people have started adding sizes as well. So when paper theory extended the the sizes of the ZD jumpsuit. I tested that and took some photos and that was really exciting because that was something I really wanted in my size. Yeah. And is it, I think that's like a classic, that jumpsuit was something that people thought like, well, fat people don't want jumpsuits. And a lot of fat people thought, I don't want jumpsuits because that's not going to be flattering. But, you know, I've never seen a ZD jumpsuit on somebody of any kind of body that didn't look really great. And so that's that, true. I think that comment was a really amazing thing of like, actually, fat people can wear anything they want and they can look really good in it, and you just need to provide us with a pattern to get us started. Nice. So is there a way then for people to access your your spreadsheet of, of free patterns? Do you have it available on your site? Yeah, so I've shared it as blog posts, um, and so I've got one page that's kind of put them all together. It's a bit untidy. Um, I certainly had a lot more time to do it. it. I was kind of in between jobs for a few months there, and you have a lot more time to gather free sewing patterns and put them on a blog when you don't have a job. Um, but now that I have a nine to five, it's a bit untidy and I haven't had a chance to get around to fixing it yet. What do you do in your professional life when you're not, uh, when you're not doing the website for Moon and Broad and sewing up a storm? Oh yeah. I have like a really easy job where I do fundraising for a charity. So that, that job that's never ending and you've never raised enough money. Oh. So, um, <laughs> so what are you guys sewing lately? Leela has been sewing up an absolute storm now that they're, she's kind of working from home a lot more. So she's getting a lot more done than I have been. Yeah. Um, well, Leela, you were telling me you'd cut down your commute time since you've been working from home. And so that's turned into new sewing time for you, right? Absolutely. Yes. Uh, so I have a very long commute to work. I work about two hours from my house. So it's a two hours each way. And so I've magically found 16 hours in my week (laughs) that I didn't have before, which is amazing. Um, My work is kind of cyclic. Like, you know, there are times where I'm quite busy and times where I'm a little bit less busy. And, um, you know, obviously with with sewing and hat making, I can just fit it in wherever. 
Um, so we've got a couple of patterns out in testing at the moment. And so um, one of them is the pants that we mentioned with the um, diagonal seam. And it's called the Willandra pants and they're, they're going to release very soon. Uh, so I've been sewing up some samples of those and taking photos of them. And Willandra, also- where, what's Willandra? This is another Australian geographical term, I, I presume. I think it's actually in Queensland. I, I saw this is from my document where I got random place names and looked up different parishes and counties all across Australia. So I'm not 100% sure, but it's it's a rural area with lots of farms, potentially in Queensland. <laughs> there are some good place names in Australia, I've got to say. Like, I'm really hoping you'll have like the Wagga Wagga blouse or something coming out soon or <laughs> Woola, what, what's the Woolamaloo? Woolamaloo, I always <laughs> loved that one. We have a, a Mallee coat out testing, which is kind of quite an Australian word. I don't know if that one exists in America. How do you spell it? Um, M-A-L-L-E-E. Ah, Mm-mm. no, I don't know that. I don't know yes. that word. So Mallee is a certain type of landscape, I would say, mm. ah. um, with um, trees. Low, scrubby bush. Yeah. <laughs> that doesn't sound good when I say it out loud, but. That sounds terrible, <laughs> but it's quite beautiful. <laughs> But just so much to learn about geography through sewing, right? Just another one of the benefits of our wonderful hobby. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And we were kind of thinking, um, well, you know, it's a, it's a coat. And it's like, well, where would you need a coat? But on the Mallee. <laughs> In the desert, <laughs> Good yeah. to know. It's not going to be a, it's not going to be a beach name. So we wouldn't have the, the Bondi uh, right. coat, I don't think. <laughs> yes. Good thinking. So Good I've been sewing up a lot of samples. Um, getting ready for launches and uh, yeah so that's what we've been working on um workflow has changed a little bit obviously now that we're in quarantine mm-hmm. um I haven't been able to access my printer so normally you know when I would send something to Jess pretty early on in the process before it went on my computer haven't been able to do that so I've changed things around and um I've been printing out like everybody else my pdfs and taping them together <laughs> and then cutting out my own pattern from a PDF. So so I know this is audio. No one can see this, but you should have seen the face Helena just made about, about taping together PDFs. Not a fan. <laughs> Not a fan. Does anyone really like it? I don't know. Maybe some people do. But I told my printer about this once because I, I went to pick up a, a pattern and I've become, you know, we're on good good terms, me and my blue printer. He's a, he's a great guy. And, you know, he's pretty interested, I think, because I think I'm the only person who does patterns there. And so he's, you know, sometimes asked about it. And, um, you know, I gave him a particularly long print one time and, and he gave me some advice on that. And then I said, oh, you know, by the way, he's like, this is a really big pattern. Like it's really like long, like it's just physically, you know, meters long, you know, you should cut it up into smaller files. So I said, well, did you know that some people actually print out all of this in like letter sized paper paper and tape it together and he almost died. <laughs> he could not believe that people do that. And he's like, but they need to just find a printer. And I said, you know, apparently it's quite hard in some places and he would not have a bar of it. He will not believe it. So he he basically said, do they have buildings where they live? <laughs> and I'm like, I think so. I think they have buildings. So his opinion was if there are buildings there have to be blueprinters uh, because they supply to um, cons- the construction industry because they have blueprints on site for building any building. So 
Oh. I don't know. Hopefully that helps someone. Uh, but he said <laughs> they just need to look up blueprinters in wherever they are and they'll find something and they'll be able to have their AO prints done really inexpensively. And they won't have to take together their pages. And he, he, he says it would be much more expensive for someone to like print it out at home and tape it together than to get um, blueprints printed. I believe that, but I want to believe that. The emotional expense as well. Like it's not just exactly. the money, it's the cost to yourself. Right, the right. emotional expense. <laughs> and the cost of the masking tape. I'm going through rolls and rolls of masking tape. It has to add up. Mm-hmm. And it's mm-hmm. not good for the environment. Yeah, the challenge is real. <laughs> I, um, I, when I don't, if I get really mad at an AO print, which is like a large format print here in New Zealand, and I, I just want to get rid of it, I feed it to my worms. Like I can just scrunch it up and put it into my worm farm. Um, but if you've put tape all over it, then it's not very recyclable. So it's also very eco to print. So in the large worms format. just don't like that plastic tape, I'm sure. Well, they just won't eat it, and then you're putting it into your garden, so it's just mm. not worthwhile. Okay, I am convinced. <laughs> Fine. So, but that's a good tip to look up blueprinters. Yeah, blueprinters apparently. Mm -hmm. So, just construction industry in general. I go through pdfplotting.com. I don't know if they ship to Canada, but um, to the US, it's really reasonable. And what I also love about it is that it's very inexpensive, but the shipping is quite a bit, right? So, what I end up having to do is I have to buy a lot of patterns. (laughs) <laughs> print them all at the same time oh, so you shoot. can see i know that's too bad <laughs> well we have a really great service in canada actually um winnipeg sews um mm-hmm. is a is a business um run out of winnipeg oh, and cool. she has a large-scale printer and she's also a sewing teacher so the great thing about her is she will print your patterns and mail them to you but she knows about scale. Like she understands it's not like taking it to a big box store where there's a teenager who might have almost no training on printing. So she understands about scale. She understands about sizing. So she'll turn layers on and off for you if if there are layers available, that kind of thing. And so, um, so Catherine's great. So that's um, at Winnipeg Sews and she'll mail all over Canada. So it's a great service for Canadians. Awesome. Love to hear that. Leela, we can't let you go because you kind of, we, we brought up the weightlifting champion thing and you kind of brushed by that. We're not, we're not letting you get, <laughs> get away from us without a little more explanation. Do tell, do tell. Um, okay. So I really like to be a beginner at things. So I love learning new things. I love that when you're a beginner, there's zero pressure to be good at something. Mm. <laughs> and I think it started off when I was um, working and studying music. In music, there's a huge expectation to be perfect all the time. And the thing about um, music is if you make a little mistake, everybody knows. Your colleagues know, <laughs> potentially the audience knows if you're in a concert. It's a very, it's a very high-pressure situation for doing things at a very high level. And when I was studying, um, I started taking tango lessons and I've never, I've never taken a dance class. I've never taken another dance class in my life. And so the feeling of just being totally free to really suck was amazing. And, um, you know, the beginner class I took, we were standing all over each other's feet. We were crashing into other couples. It was amazing. 
And so I went along. And so I highly recommend being a beginner at something and um, being crap. It's awesome. So then, um, and then I realized that sometimes what happens is once I start getting kind of decent at something to the point where there's some sort of expectation, you know, people are, oh yeah, you're good at that. It's like, I lose all interest in it <laughs> because suddenly there is now like pressure and expectation on me to be like at least possible at it. And I don't want that pressure. <laughs> so um, every couple of years, you know, it takes two or three years to become like a good beginner at something, I think, in most things. And so I tend to like start a new thing every two to three years. So um, I took up, I had been very, very into yoga um, which doesn't work very well for my body because I'm extremely hypermobile. So my joints aren't very stable. And so yoga isn't actually the best choice for that. At the time I was studying biomechanics too. So I was, um, you know, I had people just telling me every day, please stop doing yoga. It's really bad for you. (laughs) So, um, anyway, so I wanted to do something to stabilize my shoulders a little bit better. And so I started Olympic weightlifting. And, As you do. Um, <laughs> it seemed like a reasonable choice at the time. <laughs> and I got super into it. And, um, and the, you know, I joined a gym that had a fantastic community, great sense of community. And so um, some of us were competing in um, the Masters, so the old people's um, divisions. And so, yeah, so, I mean, the thing about competing in the Masters division of many sports I think is that there are fewer people competing none of us are going to the Olympics (laughs) and it's just good fun and it gives you something to work towards so when you say I was a weightlifting champion I think there needs to be a very very large asterisk there (laughs) (laughs) no 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 need for asterisks (laughs) and I, I love your perspective on being a beginner because so many beginners are afraid of failing or like, especially beginner sewers, right? Like, oh, I could never be good at that. Or I'm not good enough. Or I sewed something and it didn't turn out well. So I'm no good at it. I love the perspective of it's permission to suck really badly at it being a beginner. That's a great way to approach things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I love it, actually. Yeah. So <laughs> the worse the worse I am at something, almost the more I'm <laughs> likely to like it. Nice. I love it. So how long have you been at Muna and Broad? Like, when did you begin this? Has it been three years? I'm just wondering whether you're due for the next, the next thing to begin. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was November. Yeah, November um, 2019. So not very long at all, actually. Okay. All right. So we still have some life in this yet. <laughs> You put out four, five patterns since November. Four. Is that correct? Four. Um, Two pairs of pants, the shirt. A top underwear, and right? undies. Yes, okay. Yeah, okay, so four, four, and then there's another two about to release. Yeah. Yep, we're definitely dealing with overachievers here. Yeah, <laughs> I know. <laughs> well, I mean, we, we, are, we have a pretty fast work process, and I think the reason is that we do everything in-house. Mm-hmm. So I do all the... I, I kind of think about it as the back end. Like I do all of the, um, I do all the pattern making myself. I grade myself and I do the instructions myself. And then just, just does all of the stuff that gets the word out to people, the website, the Instagram, um, 
also she's a style guru. So lots of people mm. follow her mm-hmm. style. And so she is um, like the front end of things. But what that means is we're very nimble. So for example, if, um, if I send the pattern to Jess, she makes it up. And although we're a similar size, our bodies are different shapes. So if there's something that is really not working for her or she was have a, have a, has a preference, then I can make that change myself in half an hour. It might, be, it might be even less time. But if we were hiring a pattern maker, then, you know, I'd have to email the pattern maker and make those changes. Or if the grading didn't work, like, you know, if we had a test out and it came back, if there were a fit problem or, I don't know, um, even just like a notch not in the right place or something, if we weren't doing that in-house, then all of those things would just, everything would take a lot longer. Whereas just um, doing everything ourselves makes us extremely nimble. And I think that's why we've been able to um, release patterns so rapidly. And also some of these patterns, I'd already made the patterns for myself before Muna and Broad was even a thought. So that's kind of gotcha. why we're able to release things really quite rapidly. Yeah. Well, it's been fascinating to hear all about your pattern company. And it's delightful to know that you are so inclusive in the sizing and that you've opened up, you know, a world of possibilities to people that didn't exist before. So congratulations to you both. And we look forward to seeing what comes next, all the exciting new patterns coming out. And can't wait to see. Thanks so much, uh, Laurie and Helena. Thanks. We really appreciate you having us. Yeah. Thanks for having us. It was a real pleasure to talk to you. Very fun. (laughs) Bye everyone. Enjoy your day. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Clothes Making Mavens podcast. For more information and more episodes, visit clothesmakingmavens.com. We would love to hear from you. You'll find options for sending us an email, leaving a comment, or even a voicemail on clothesmakingmavens.com. Hope to hear from you soon, and thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.